Podcastle, episode 466, for April 18, 2017. Blood, Stone, Water, by Amanda Fitzwater, rated PG-13. Hello and welcome to Podcastle, where reality enjoys a thrilling day of whitewater canoeing, whilst fantasy paddles a frail coracle toward the falls of doom. I'm your host, Graham Dunlop. Today's story comes to you from Amanda Fitzwater. It's called Blood, Stone, Water, and it was first published in Beneath Ceaseless Skies, issue 118, April 2013. A.J. Fitzwater is a dragon wearing a human meat suit living between the cracks in Christchurch, New Zealand. She attended the Clarion Workshop in 2014 and won the Sir Julius Vogel Award in 2015 for the Best New Talent. Stories have been published in venues such as Shimmer Magazine, Cross Genres Magazine and various Cross Genres anthologies, At the Edge, an anthology of New Zealand and Australian speculative fiction, from Paper Road Press, The Future Fire, and more. And your narrator is Amanda Fitzwater. AJ has narrated for us before and is pleased to read her story for you today. But now the journey is long and the end uncertain. Prepare your supplies, gather your strength, and enjoy the story. Blood, Stone, Water by A.J. Fitzwater Tao bit deeper with her paddle, and green water hushed beneath the orca hull. Nia sat in the bow, serene as when they'd pushed off from ear that sunrise to a farewell ululation. Her fingertips trailed in the smooth ocean, eyes unfocused on the fins that kept time, or searching further forward to their destination five sunrises hence. Tao fell into a cadence, and Nia's sweet harmony twined thoughtlessly around her bark-rough voice. Nia's easy joy sang at odds with the impending rise of the stone moon. Death awaited them at the end of their journey. Tao risked glances at Nia, Like many stone maidens, Nia gathered sun to her as she did eyes. Dao reasoned their skills would be a good fit together, but touching a stone maiden was forbidden. Nia was unashamedly content to let her look, needing little prompting to show off her kihonat's brown skin and unusual light grey eyes. She was the only one in a generation born on air under a stone moon. Tao's chest ached, and not from exertion. She sighed to herself, twitching her keenly muscled arms in an effort to find a more comfortable position. The stiff new kihul fabric wrap, a gathering gift from Chiefess Lao Iama, rubbed her tender. At least I'll get through the gathering before I'm indisposed for this rotation of the great keel. The ear mother's salt-cracked, tattooed lips formed the parting words again in her mind. I encourage you to ride your own wave, but you can't ignore the potential seedmates awaiting you at the gathering, Tauhene. 
Tao smiled and offered a little curse to virility as she tried to pretend the heat between her thighs had only to do with the sun. She fell into a daydream, imagining a child with her thick frame and Nia's eyes. The conceit couldn't last. If Nia survived the stone moon gathering, she could choose anyone. A maiden would never grant a common keel woman, carver and moongazer the opportunity to make life with her. Both women scented the change in the sea before they saw the shoals of the reeflet. Tao chanted off the fifth verse of the travellers from Ear Cadence and discovered they'd missed a sandbar. She added a lilt to the verse as a way to notate the shifting geography. Nia balanced easily, an image of Ear on the mountain, one foot braced against the bowhead. I'm starving. I've been looking forward to this all morning. Tao grunted as she aimed for the narrow opening in the reef. The water moon tide had just turned, and the ochre shot between the gap. In respect for the passing stone maidens, the reeflet was empty of the usual fisherfolk spearing piuru worms and gathering mollusks. You prepare the fermented widow fruit. I'll be right back, Nia ordered, so easily. Tao had to look away as Nia stripped off her wrap and slipped like a shining eel over the edge of the ochre. Nia returned with two piuru still twisting on the end of her spear and a handful of link shells. Dark ropes of hair clinging to her throat, Nia hung over the edge of the ochre and carefully manipulated the oozing orange innards of the piuru with her thigh knife onto a bark shell, expertly avoiding the poison-tipped spines. With a flick of her knife tip, she threw the now limp worm casings back into the water. The wind-dancing witty birds knew better than to make a dive for the dangerous husks. Unable to wait, the women licked the sweet gizzard off their fingers. Lao Ma believes puru paste is good for baby-making, Nia said as they watched their meal turn a deep sun-red as it steeped into the widow juice. She kicked her feet in the water. Maybe I'll be lucky this time. Tao prodded Nia with a spear-tipped glance. This is only your second stone moon of fertility. You were too young the last time. Other islands would disagree. Nia's kicking turned the ochre in a circle around its rock anchor. Ia is not other islands, nor any other mother, Tao growled, cracking a link shell open with the handle of her hip knife. She slipped at the slippery treasure. Do you remember the last stone moon? Nia asked, discarding an empty link shell into the water. Of course, Tao replied. I may have been young, but you never forget your first stone moon rise. Nia swung back into the ochre, enfolding herself in her brightly painted wrap. She squinted at the star map carvings along the inner bulwarks of the vessel. Do you count your sisters and cousins and cadences equal to your obsession with moon-gazing? Dal's face tightened beneath its fine crust of salt. She scooped up a fingerful of piruru paste, indicating its readiness. That isn't what I meant. Nia laughed and punched her lightly in the bicep. I fathom you tide-washed fool. You've always been an easy tease. I wish you wouldn't. We all wish for many things, but some aren't destined to come to us in any good time. 
Startled by the wistful tone, Tao's glance wasn't quick enough to catch her out. Nia's interest had been captured by a darting school of coral fish. They passed the rest of the afternoon in taut snatches of conversation before making camp above the tide lines at an uninhabited islet. Tao coal-roasted a moonfish near deftly speared from the shallows. After sucking the husk of a spicy widow fruit dry, the quiet tension washed away with the tide as they laughed and pointed out stray pips and scales round each other's mouths. Why did you volunteer to be my keel woman? Nia stretched her long neck to stare up at the rising blood moon as it kissed shoulders with the setting water moon. Choosing an empty hardwood slate and sharp-shaved Naomu stone, Tao judged the angles of the celestials and made quick, deft cuts. You don't volunteer to be a keel woman at a gathering. It's an honour to be chosen. Don't take me for some storm-tossed flotsam, near growled, teasing. A chiefess's daughter comes with privileges. We're all daughters of the chiefess. Nia's inelegant snort cut off Tao's protest. You in more ways than one. I fathom you try very hard not to be, but you're her favourite. Tao frowned at the simple pictographic of the moon she'd cut. Her teacher Koro would be pleased with its accuracy. You seem to fathom quite a lot about me. I'm not the oldest, the youngest, the most intelligent, hard-working, nor the most fecund. Why speak so ill of yourself, Nia scolded, sounding much like Lao Ma in that moment. Thou bit her lips to hide her smile. Gaza Kodo would disagree, at least about the intelligent and hard-working part. Nia made a crude gesture, and they giggled in unison at the thought of the elderly Gazer working on the fecundity part. When Nia gasped out, complete with funny faces and more hand gestures, that she'd seen Koro sneaking into old Kihoweaver Mucka's wari, they fell about in further fits. When they sobered, Nia hugged her knees and stared at Tao until Tao gusted a sigh that set sparks flying from the banked fire. Perhaps I did suggest to Koro that it would be an excellent chance to document the rising of the first stone moon in twelve storm seasons, if I was further to the south and west, Tao explained. And even if that hadn't made enough of an impression on Lauma, it gave you the chance to show off your superior carving skills. You gained your very own vessel, even if you weren't chosen from the five Kiel woman candidates. Nia's teeth glinted gold in the firelight. But you were, Tao said. Superior? Hardly. Nia paused, as if marshalling another of her Piru sting retorts. But instead she said, Your ochre is very beautiful. You gave a whole new life and meaning to that widow leaf trunk. You must chant me a cadence of its carving sometime soon. A whisper of impending death raised a ripple on Tao's skin. She fumbled for another dismissal, but finally mumbled her thanks. Only after Tao had settled into a sun-warmed, grass-lined sand hollow to silently track the path of stars, did she ponder what had gone unsaid. Had Nia guessed at Tao's feelings? Or had she accepted her effect on everyone as a given? Stone maidens were allowed some arrogance, Tao thought. They had little choice in so many other matters. The two of them played a game with quick glances, Nia poking at the fire. Thao pondered whether she saw an invitation in the crinkle of Nia's eyes. But then it was gone, 
as Nia hummed a bawdy drinking song and looked away. Tao attacked her star covings. Nia, her ear sister, her friend, didn't suffer pity gladly. You don't believe in the sacrifice. Tao jerked out of a light doze. She rubbed her eyes against the mid-afternoon glare and tested her thoughts before her thick tongue could get the best of her. Nia paddled on, face impassive despite the sure ache in her shoulders. Tao had seen her five-year-old blood sister, Maia, with a better technique, but Nia had insisted on learning something from the experience, even if it was about the formation of blisters. Tao washed the sleep fuzz from her mouth with a swill of fresh water. What makes you say that? You haven't asked me to turn around and save myself, Nia replied. Matter of fact, it's traditional. I fathom. Tao splashed some ocean water on her hot face and looked off to the horizon as if searching for the small atoll that would be their evening camp. The second day of their journey had been going well until that point. With only a little prompting, Nia had helped Tao create her ochre-building chant. Nia's sweet voice and her ability to choose just the right words made the felling, hollowing and carving of the single widow-leaf trunk over the span of two seasons sound quite the epic feat. Now she'd gone and spoiled it all by bringing up politics. So, are you going to ask me to turn around? To plead for my life like all good keel women are supposed to do? Nia stopped paddling and flashed a grin over her shoulder to take the salt sting out of her words. Dao made a face and busied her hands searching for a strap of dried eel. Then I mustn't be a good keel woman. She impatiently gestured Nia to resume paddling, though in truth she didn't mind the slower pace. They were making excellent time and still had three days before the gathering began. Nia set her face in a squint, another gesture eerily reminiscent of Lao Ma, though she wasn't a blood daughter of the chiefess. On the contrary, Nia argued, dipping her paddle, you fathom the sea better than anyone on air, and you can chant the travelling cadences word perfect. You can smell bad weather coming before I even see the clouds. You paddle all day without complaint, and you're very pleasant company. Tao snorted as she handed over a hunk of eel. The sun must be cooking your brains under all that here. Nia swatted away the childhood insult like she would a salt fly. Answer the question. Tao stretched eel skin from her teeth until it snapped. I've forgotten. Now it was Nia's turn to car. You're treating me like flotsam again, sister. The emphasis on endearment wasn't entirely affectionate. I see how you simply mouth the oldest of the chants at island gatherings and squirm when the elders praise ears exploits. I hear the words you substitute during blood or water or stone tellings when you think no one notices. Tao's cheeks and ears turned hot, as bad as sunburn cut with salt crust. Nia continued, So you're not a traditionalist. That's fine by me. We can't let our future daughters and sisters drown beneath the tides of the future. Tao choked on something like a laugh. (laughs) What do you mean? Do you listen to anything your sisters talk about late at night? 
near card, which became quick grunts as she pushed the ochre forward by the power of her anger. Or is your head forever up in the sky? The heat of the fire pit makes me sleepy. Dal shaded her eyes. Another ochre had shimmered out of the haze ahead of them. Nia sank her paddle deeper. Dal picked up the spear and joined the effort. Then Embers will be lost in the dark and the ash will be scattered on cold ground, Nia replied cryptically between grunts. The other ochre contained travellers heading for the gather. A stone maiden named Kaile and her keel woman Keke from a closely grouped set of islands to Sunset Wood called Laile. Dao enjoyed the distraction of throwing chants back and forth between the boats. By the end of the day, five more ochres had joined the procession. As sunset cast its wine-coloured net, the travellers lashed their boats together and made the best of a night in the doldrums. Someone brought out a large clay brazier for cooking and cheer. Another produced a seven-string luke, fingering clever chants for each of the evening's activities. Someone else set up a fresh water still, waiting a polished piece of kehoe fabric between a folding frame. Dao bent a surreptitious whisper into Nia's ear as she erected their sleeping frame. There's something strange about that keel woman from Lele. Who, Keke? Nia had always been better with names. Of course, she's a man. Dao knocked her head on a post as she shot up straight. She rubbed her head and stared open-mouthed. Fathom that. Nia chuckled low in her throat as she gathered her spear, sighting down its length. Has the wind swept your brains? You fathom what men look like. Cotto's different. She's, well, old. She's one of us. I don't think of her as male. Nia rolled her wrap into a kawat around her hips and upper thighs before sliding into the water. Dao hitched up her own skirts and followed, squinting at the new sister friend limed by the brazier he was setting. How do I chant in front of her, Tao asked, stroking in place. What is she doing as a keel woman? How do you chant in front of your moon teacher? Nia sucked an ear deeply, readying her lungs for a dive. And I suspect Keke is more than just a keel woman. Tao stared at Nia as the dying light swallowed her. It wasn't like her to sound so bitter. Refreshingly sarcastic, yes, but never as twisted as a locker root. What do you mean? Fathom? No? Haven't you seen they only carry the essentials? Their island must be seed-rich. Keke is Kaile's gathering gift. Nia dived to supply the repast, showing off by swimming deep and long, bursting from the water with a wriggling catch and snared on her spear, delivering each fish with a grinning flourish. Dal's worrying became boredom as the night wore on. There were no rules about not making friends with the maidens. This was the way many inter-island trade and seed partnerships were formed. But there was an intricate weave to the relationships Tao struggled to fathom. Tao watched Keke across the brazier as they shared their traveller's banquet, including gourds of fermented widow fruit juice. She tried to make herself feel attracted to her. Male seed was often welcome in some of the more distant communities. She remembered Lal's fond words about men. She still hadn't decided whether to go back with her gourd filled.
Kiki laughed at everyone's stories and sang sweetly, performing a nice moon-welcome hand dance as the two moon sisters shimmered toward each other. But Tao couldn't do it. Kiki's chest and shoulders were too wide, hips too narrow. Kiki wouldn't be a good fit, she mused with a little car. At least Kiki was as polite as Koro, keeping her genitals tucked behind a pretty hip wrap. Tao knew what to do with them, but she just couldn't work up the mental image of doing that with her. Every time she tried to put Kiki in the picture, she kept turning into Nia. Tao finally gave up, slugged back juice and held out her shell for more. During the repast, Nia's face remained as stony as the impending moon, and her usually enthusiastic voice stayed silent. Let us sulk, Tao mused. Perhaps a little competition for the gathering altar will rattle her wits. With her mind tossed by the widow juice, another thought gripped Tao which she struggled to throw off like a wet mantle. Despite her lack of respect for tradition, she didn't want to go back to Ea alone. Blinking away the effects of the juice and firelight, she settled in for her nightly observations. Comforted by the gentle slap of water, the creak and scrape of Uka Hull. Any sign, Skygazer? came a low voice, startling her. She eked out a smile as Kiki clambered across rocking ockers. She maintained a respectful distance. Uh, look there, on the sunrise horizon, Tao pointed her sharpened Naomu. Do you see that faint glow? Kiki's vigorous nod rocked the boats. Yes, I've seen that the last few nights. It is she, preparing to sail our skies and stir the seas to rapid fecundity. Tao had to look away and make another mark on her slate. <laughs> Very poetic. Tao's cheeks warmed beneath the salt crust. Lao Ma laughed in her head and whispered that men were just the same as women. Koro smiled down from the water moon, her face as seamed as its shimmering surface. Kiki's voice entwined with her thoughts. Do you still believe that Ea fished the first stone moon from the ocean, seeding our waters? That is a strange thing to ask a gazer, Tao chuckled. She made another mark on the inside of her hull, marking the position of a star as it winked into being. You fathom so many of the older chants, and you have a, such a nice turn of phrase, Kiki replied. You must make a good storyteller, Tao grimaced. I prefer to be as far as possible from firelight on clear nights. Kiki's chuckle demanded nothing. <laughs> so it seems. Tao decided to take a dive. Are you here to try and fathom me out? Find out something about Nia? Kiki's full laugh was as deep and booming as a coral roller. Prickly as a peerdoo and just as to the point. I like that. Yes, I fathom I am. She sings well. Tao scratched absent-minded at the flaking salt crust on her skin. I can hear that, Kiki said. Tao paused, and then, prompted by the memory of the looks Nia sent Kiki's way, she barreled on. Nia is fertile now. Kiki's mouth snapped shut like an ugly fish out of water. Ah, so she didn't smell the spiciness of the widow leaf Nia chewed and the puru coming out of her skin. Perhaps Kuro's anecdotes had some merit. Men weren't as attuned to a woman's ripeness. 
Don't fret the knots, Dow assured her. The others are, aren't long off. Most of them will be right by the time the final selection of the gathering is made. Kiki went silent. When she finally looked up, her pretty dawn-green gaze beneath the tumble of sunlight and locks unnerved Dow. Do you ever wonder if the gathering is... She broke off, slipping over the side of his ochre, barely making a sound as skin met water. Forgive me, sister friend, I speak out of turn. Kekia finished with a car, then pushed off in a smooth breaststroke. Yes, I do often wonder, Tao said, too softly for him to hear. More and more these days. A treasure trove of wood littered the half-moon bay, but this wasn't mere storm debris. The finely carved hulls of many ochre knocked a symphonic counterpoint to the hush of waves, pierce of ululations, and hoarse wail of shell horns. Hands fluttered with the voices and breeze. Smoke from numerous cooking fires and ceremonial braziers promised sense of mystery and delight. Skin of brown, burnished gold, ebony and copper flashed against a myriad of coloured wraps and lush greenery. The days of the gathering had been spectacle enough to warrant a hundred new chants, but the nights had truly been a wonder. As keel woman, Tao had little time to enjoy the pleasures of the evening. Any time left after primping, oiling, dressing, introducing and ego-stroking near was given over to the stone moon. Having escaped the fourth evening banquet and dance, Tao watched the almost moon sliver shiver on the horizon. This close to moonrise, many were torn between their duties to their sisters and their gazing. But for this moment, she had the beach to herself. The moment the moon breached its ocean womb, only two or three nights away, Tao had calculated by celestial angles, someone would die. There you are. A pair of legs as familiar as her own coral-etched shins whisked out of the bushes. You should be getting some rest, Dowell said. Nia gave an inelegant snort and plopped to the sand with the ease of the long-limbed. <laughs> Activities in the next worry made it uh, a little difficult to dream to the stone mother. Dowell choked off her chuckle. If Kyle is caught, Nia flipped a hand. Kyle has, shall we say... Been going for many long walks. I suspect she might even be sleeping on the Sunrisewood beach some nights. Keke? <laughs> She's very popular. Dao grunted and dug her naumu into the wood, skewering a star into place with more force than its luminosity required. Keke has eyes for you, you fathom? Tao's chin shot up and she stared at her sister friend defiantly. I can smell it on you, Nia said, the light from the kissing moons casting hard shadows across angles of her face. You're close to your moon. If you so wished, you could beget a child together. Tao blushed. Nia's fertile scent had become hard to shake. Tao's late-night gazing excursions were also an excuse to avoid the snug-thatched worry they shared. She often caught herself bending her face close to Nia's hair as she weaved in flowers, tiny shells or beach beads, prettying her for the next test. Dal's belly twinged, as if in sympathy or need. A mischievous smile drove a dark slash across the harsh plains of Nia's face. 
Ah, the tide is coming in now. You don't desire Keke. Yes, no, I... Tao heaved a great sigh and put down her shell in Naomu. You're leaning into the wrong wind, sister. Then tell me which way it blows. Tao made a show of brushing sand off her newly carved shells, cutting a look at her sister friend. Tonight there was a layer of weariness tripping over weariness, an edge of fear along the usual knife edge of Nia's teasing. Thou wondered if the irrelevancy of the tests imposed by the gathering elders were getting to her. During each evening's eliminations, the elders' eyes slid off Nia just a shade too fast. She made it this far, and yet... No one liked to see the knife above someone they truly cared for. Tao crossed her arms across a chest that protested harsh treatment. I don't deny he would be a worthy contributor of seed to ear's children. However, I... She cared, unable to finish the thought out loud. You're too fertile of mind at this point in your life to carry a parasite, Nia finished. Tao couldn't help but laugh. No need to put it so crudely. You get the drift. Nia's teeth flashed blue-white. Lao Ma will be disappointed if I don't return for Kant. Tao's laughter drifted off with the hush of the tide. She won't. The forcefulness of Nia's tone made Tao again note the strain around her dancing eyes. If you think that, then you don't fathom your mother at all. Tao pulled back from the blustery force of Nia's new boldness. And besides, Nia continued, you have six older sisters, all of whom have willingly blessed Ea with their wombs. As Tao inscribed the air with a quick blessing, Nia grabbed her fingers and held them against her chest. Tao swallowed her sharp intake of breath. And there is something else, I fathom, Nia said, voices rich as coca bean soup. Perhaps someone else? I... Tao tried to snatch away her hand, but Nia tightened her grip and pulled her closer. Nia's pupils were dark moons against her golden skin. Her quickened breath smelled of sugared vela petals, a rare aphrodisiac delicacy presented at dinner that evening. You can tell me, Nia whispered. I'm your sister friend after all, aren't I? Yes, Tal's whisper faltered again. Sand's speckled fingers brushed her cheek, and Tal closed her eyes. Words lodged in her chest, as if she'd been punched too hard in the fighting dance. A heartbeat. Two. A sweet pressure on her lips. Dao tasted salt, sand, sugar, an embodiment of the ripe smell of her torments. Then Nia was gone, a slap of bushes, the rustle of sand on skin. A beat, the hush of water. Another, sandals on grass. Dao looked up, hoping Nia had returned, to apologise, to make good, to continue even though it would risk Everything. A smaller figure, bathed in the shadows of the trees. The slash of a triumphant grin, bright. Kai lay. She turned and fled. Tao gave a little car and closed her eyes to the silvered horizon. Death, rebirth. It was life to stone maidens. And some would seek out their eternal glory any which way they could. Even if it meant betrayal. Tao angled the ochre stormwood, 
her paddle biting deep as the rising sun cut slivers off the water into her eyes. She didn't resist the headache. Uncountable cups of fermented widow fruit juice the previous night had helped dull the memory of the knife dashing across the throat of the figure positioned in ecstatic adulation on the great round stone. The beautifully carved representation of the great mother moon hadn't resisted the chosen stain. Neither had it broken beneath the weight of portent. Change simmered in the blood of the next generation of stone maidens, but it hadn't come swift enough to belay one more needless death. Tao glanced at the figure in the bow, crouched against the impending storm, a break in the perfection that had held its breath over the gathering. Face edged with resignation but not regret, Nia had been silent since they had cast off, not even chanting out to the other ockers pushing for home. Dal's heart fell as heavy as an anchor stone, meeting and warring with the cool ache of relief in her belly. Kai Lei had been the maiden to gladly meet the bite of the mother's blade. Her final chant had been the perfect combination of sweet traditional sentimentality. I can hear your thoughts from here. Dal lost her grip. Before she had the chance to reform her thoughts, she dived in to retrieve her paddle. A smile a shade more cynical than expected greeted Tao as she heaved herself over the edge of the ochre, spluttering and cursing. Nia quit her rearward rescue paddling. Just what do you fathom about my thoughts? Tao pushed her hair out of her face, muttered another curse and squeezed water out of her wrap. A little moon broody there, hmm? The tease back in Nia's voice made Tao breathe a little easier. Stop pushing or you'll be swimming home. <laughs> that would please you, Nia chuckled, and Tao bit her bottom lip to arrest a smile. You don't fathom what would please me. Tao straightened her back and dipped her paddle. Instead of turning back to her contemplation of the dark horizon, Nia threw back her head in a laugh. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Tao card. Stop dancing around the issue. You stop. Ropes of hair slapped Dal's chest as she shook her head. She squinted at her sister friend. That was some final chant you sang. Quite the turnaround. Nia, I, I can't fathom where to begin. Then I'll make it easy. Nia rushed ahead like the rising wind. I failed at the gathering, so I must return home with some set to my sails. Nia cut off Dal's placating noises with a swift flourish of her paddle. Let me finish. I didn't come with my face entirely turned to the stone moon. I knew what I was singing about. The stone mother should smile upon life, not death. Her jaw worked, a spasm and a swallow before she continued. Most maidens don't want to die, no matter what you've been led to believe. I want to do something before I take my final dive beneath the waves. I pushed Lao Ma to choose you as my keelwoman because I knew you'd hold me up against the stiff wind. In your rough way, you're far more adept at navigating the shifting tides of fireside talk and chants than I. Don't look at me like that. Your mother is shrewder than you fathom. Nia's smile turned softer. I also had another reason. We're a good fit, you and I. Tao pretended to search the threatening horizon, though she knew by smell alone how long they had to reach shelter. I revere life, Nia continued. We're both fertile. We're right. We fit. 
Let us create a child together while we have this chance. Tao rubbed the calluses of one hand against the scars of another. She couldn't fathom her hands being gentle enough for such a task as guiding life. Nia said, I will carry the child. As I fathom you dislike the idea. I can't ask that of you, Tao card. Why not? Our child will be intelligent, inquisitive and, and beautiful. But you're my friend, Tao protested, her biceps quivering with more than physical effort. Even better, you fathom I would make a terrible parent. Nia card and rolled her eyes. And where is it sung that you have to parent? We have many wonderful sisters, mothers and aunties who make light to work of it in the ear way. Tao tasted the bitter and spice of the idea. A rattle along the horizon. Nia mouthed silently, counting the heartbeats between the lightning and thunder. I went searching for the right person to fit, Nia said. But they all came up wanting compared to you. I need to show my worth to my sisters. I must make restitution for my failure. You didn't fail, Tao said. Paddle digging deeper. I'll dance fight anyone who disagrees. You represented Ear superbly. Your trade negotiations will keep us well prepared for many storm seasons. They will be proud of you. I am proud of you. And I am proud of you. Nia favoured Dow with a look as thrilling as the senses as unpeeled cooker bean. You go back to Koro a full gazer. Your work welcomed with open hands at the great library. At least you have found your calling. Dao uttered a soft car. She took a deep whiff of the storm, squinting against the spitting rain, and quickly ran through the current verse of the traveller's return cadence. Take up your paddle, woman, she commanded gruffly. We'll make the next islet before the storm hits if we push hard. Nia's hands flexed around the wood. And there we can make a baby while we wait for the storm to pass. We will discuss it. Will we discuss how much you love me too? The rain finally struck, an exclamation point. Nia threw back her shoulders and gazed at Tal from beneath dripping lashes. You have ideas as big as ears search for the ends of the ocean, Tal chuckled. Nia chanted the first few notes of the cadence, adding a wistful lilt that sung of unseen coastlines and faces. Some dreams are best when shared. Ear, preserve me from baby foolish sisters. With a wry shake of her head, Dal set her shoulders straining against the rising waves and wind. And welcome back. Of this story, AJ says, living in an island nation with a rich Maori and Pacifica culture has obvious parallels to the influences in this story. I also wanted to write a feminist story where a woman's cycle is celebrated, not seen as something taboo or to be feared. And that's it for today, folks. On behalf of everyone here at Podcastle, we thank you for stopping by and listening to this story with us. We'll be back next week with another. Until then, this is your host, Graham Dunlop, reminding you that you can't ignore the potential seed mates awaiting you at the gathering. Podcastle is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated, 
It's released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. Share it all you like, but don't change or sell it. Our theme music is by Shiva and Exile. To find out more about them, check their music at magnatune.com. George Sand said, There is only one happiness in this life, to love and be loved.